how can it be? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? Welcome back to another episode of the She Chooses podcast. We are journeying through the book of Ruth. We are looking at Ruth as a message going out to the bride of Christ. This book shows God's call that goes out to all of us and our ability to choose. We're finding all kinds of images, pictures, foreshadows, and patterns for us to identify, to know, to understand. Hey guys, my name is Jessica Hartzold and I am obsessed with all things Jesus. I am a lover of my Bible and a pursuer of our Lord, but I am also a woman who makes mistakes and doesn't always get it right. I haven't always been a follower of Jesus. Boy, have I not. However, during one of the most difficult times of my life, God illuminated for me the power of a choice and this gift of free will. She Chooses is a podcast purpose to help you fall in love with Jesus, and in doing so, learning how to harness this gift of free will by taking life one choice at a time. Let's get started. Last episode, we saw that Naomi had an identity crisis of sorts. She was going through a hard time of life. She wasn't seeing who God is clearly, but still making the decision to acknowledge who he is. We see this when we read that she calls him the Almighty. She refers to him as Lord with a capital L. Today, we're moving on to focus more on the meeting of Ruth and Boaz. What we have been waiting and excited to hear, we are finally at this point in this message. Before we dive in, however, we've got to ask a question. We've got to level set, make sure that we're understanding some things. Does anyone know what tree grafting is? We have some fruit trees in our yard. And so this is something that I researched several years back as we moved into our home. It's not something that I am a professional with by any means, nor have I even tried to do this, but it is very interesting. It is absolutely fascinating to learn about. What tree grafting is, if you don't already know, it's a process involving tree tissues. You take tree tissues from different trees and you bring them together to grow as one. The purpose of grafting is really to improve the quality of a tree or to change the variety of it, right? To, to enhance the fruits. It can be done to save a branch of an established tree or a technique used by taking a piece of a different tree. And through this special process, helping that established tree to accept this new piece so that the two can begin to grow together as one. I want us to keep this image, this process in our mind as we dive into this next chapter of Ruth. Guys, this is deep and it will get deep real quick if you allow it to. It is so beautiful. It's through this grafting process and reading in Ruth that we're going to see a picture of what happens in the life of a prodigal returned home or the life of a new convert, a Gentile. Guys, 
we are Gentiles, a Gentile being grafted into the family of God. This process is personal. We need to understand what is happening to us. Talking through the background in our first study, our first episode, we said this book shows us that Gentiles are welcome into God's plan and not just welcome, but we also learn through this book, these four chapters, that Gentiles are essential to God's kingdom. It's in the book of Romans that we hear the term grafted in. And I want to take a minute and just read the verse where we read that. It's Romans chapter 11, verse 17. It says this, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing of God. The blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. Romans mentions the falling away of some Israelites and the grafting in of the Gentiles. We've been looking at Elimelech from the perspective of a backslider, someone who has fallen away from the Lord. And this is the reason I view him as such. We're seeing Elimelech, an Israelite, step outside the promised land. His branches broke off. After his death, we see Naomi. She chooses to turn around and return home to Bethlehem, the house of bread, her promised land. She is a prodigal returned home. And in that return home, we're seeing Ruth, this Moabite woman, this Gentile return with her. And as we're going to learn, she finds her kinsman redeemer, which is a picture of us finding ours, which is in turn a picture of our being grafted into the kingdom of God, finding our own kinsman redeemer. What's a kinsman redeemer? We're going to dive into that later, but we've got to fast forward to chapter four because its definition is too good and too wonderful to hold on to any longer. A kinsman redeemer is someone who steps in to claim responsibility. They redeem, they vindicate, and they act on behalf of the dead. This book, it's about pointing us to find our kinsman redeemer, the one who is Jesus. Ruth chapter two, verse one through seven talks about Ruth gleaning in the field of Boaz. This is what it says. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. All right, here we find Ruth and Naomi. They are back in Bethlehem. They are back in the promised land. Again, Naomi, she has labeled herself bitter. She's acknowledging they're going through a struggle. They left Bethlehem full. They came back home empty. They have nothing. Here is where we pick back up. Ruth wants to go to work. First part of this chapter, it introduces us to Boaz. The name Boaz means in him is strength. What have we heard about Boaz in chapter 2, verse 1? What have we seen about him already? She asked for Naomi's permission to go to the field and glean sheaves of grain. Ruth, 
she steps up into action, which is something we have, we've got to be willing to do for ourselves. We've got to be willing to teach our children. We've got to get to that place where we're willing to do something to help our situation. Colossians chapter three, verse 23 and 24 tells us this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Ruth is a perfect example. She immediately gets to work, whatever our hand finds to do. And we find Ruth, she lays this out for us perfectly. And it's her attitude in these mundane spaces of life that gets her noticed by Boaz, this man of great wealth, this man of great character. Ruth gleaned barley and then wheat. So what does this gleaning look like? This is something that we need to understand to be a Bible reader. We've got to understand some of these concepts that aren't really, we don't see them happening around us today, but they are very, very common when scripture was written. So what does this gleaning look like? We find it in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Here we've got Ruth. She's this widow. She had no husband to provide for her. She took the initiative and she went out into the fields to take care of herself and Naomi. She wasn't afraid of admitting her need or working hard, which is impressive. What makes it even more impressive is she's doing this as a Moabite as a foreigner in this land. Ruth, she was intrigued by this God of Israel. She has a heart for him. And she went back with Naomi to serve him and she was willing to leave behind everything. She had heard stories of what God had done for his people and she was in pursuit of him and she was not afraid to get to work. We heard Ruth's powerful statements. She said, may the Lord do so to me. She took Naomi's God as her God. She declared him as her God. She demonstrates faith in him. She demonstrates loyalty to Naomi. And we need to key in on a couple of points that we've read in this small snippet of this message. First is the fact that Ruth was humble. Humility is a big deal. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. So often we want the large things. We want, we don't want those little things. No, we are above those little things. We want the big things, but that's not what God's word says. He has a kingdom of opposites that we've got to allow our idea of what should be to be challenged by his word. Ruth shows us an image of how to be faithful in the small things and goes beyond to show us the value of doing those small things and doing them well. Humility can be a very hard thing. It takes humility to ask, to glean, to acknowledge her place, that she had nothing. We as people don't like to ask for help. We are drilled with this idea of to be anyone, you must be independent. And we want independence. She didn't know anyone there. She stepped into a group where she was alone, yet she wasn't afraid to reach. She wasn't afraid to do something about her circumstance. She wasn't afraid to take a step of faith. And we've got to be in that same place. Faith requires humility. So let's pause and think for a moment. Have you ever taken a step of faith like this? Maybe you've taken a step having no idea 
what the future holds. We find Ruth isn't the only person that did this. There's so many instances of this in scripture. Abraham did this. You know, when he left the land of his father and he journeyed to the promised land, he had no idea where God was leading him. He only had a willingness to go. We see here that Ruth, her step of faith, her humility, we see the work she's choosing to do. We see that Boaz, he shows up and he takes notice. Let's go on to read Ruth chapter 2, verse 8 through 16. says this, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they're harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I'm not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. In this chapter, we learn that Ruth just happened to meet Boaz. Naomi, yes, Naomi knew Elimelech was there, but Naomi didn't direct her to this field. What do you think of that statement that she just happened upon the field of Boaz? When we apply this to our life, we look to Boaz as a picture of Jesus. We easily draw out that none of us has just so happened upon Jesus. Just like Ruth, she may not have understood what was happening, but she didn't just so happen upon the field of Boaz. That was an orchestrated work of the Lord, and it's beautiful. We need to keep in mind, and we need to remember the call we said that goes out from God and our choice to respond to him. God was drawing Ruth to this field. This was God-ordained. It was a path. He had her walking. It's important that we take time to really remember or consider our story of how we met Jesus or how you're meeting Jesus right now. Here we have this humble and gracious Ruth meeting this man of great character, Boaz. She has approached him with grace. She's a widow. It was her right to glean that field. But she didn't go in demanding. She went in asking. Again, humility is shining from her, and we see it prompts a response in him. When we compare this to our world and what we see happening around us, we're not seeing this demonstration of humility. Instead, we're seeing the opposite. People are standing up demanding, because of who I am, I am entitled to this. Because of what I have done, I am entitled to this. But that's not the case. That's not the pattern we're seeing laid out for us to follow. Ruth was entitled, but she wasn't nasty about getting what was her right to obtain. Her demeanor is a beautiful example to us. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When we go in guns a or like a bull in a china store, 
We're not going to gather anything godly from those circumstances. All we're going to gather in those moments are hurt feelings and people who don't want to hear what we have to say. As a result of her approach, we find Boaz agrees. Ruth gets to glean, and he steps beyond her request, and he extends protection with one command. Keep your eyes on this field. Do not glean anywhere else. Which sounds familiar, doesn't it? When we think of Jesus, he promises to be our provider and he too gives the same command. Keep your eyes on me. I'll be your provider. Stay in my field. Don't leave. That's what Jesus says. It was dangerous, so dangerous to be a widow during these times. We've got to remember Culturally speaking, women were viewed more as property, and that's not God. God never said that. That is man. That is flesh that led to that place in in history, their culture being that way. Women were not viewed kindly. Ruth needed protection. I wonder if she was aware of that need. Did she understand that there was this threat? If so, we have to acknowledge her fearlessness and even more faith required of her to pursue. This is a strong woman. Women in scripture are remarkable. She is a woman of virtue. Boaz, he acknowledges it. He says her reputation has preceded her from Moab. Guys, I used to believe this lie that things people said about me didn't matter. Guys, our reputation, it does matter. Her reputation, it preceded her from Moab. Boaz saw she was a woman of great character. She was serious and willing to make sacrifices. She was willing to follow the Lord without cost. She wasn't afraid of what that was going to cost her. We see her humility, it shines everywhere. Her character, it shined in even the most mundane moments. How does our light shine in those mundane moments? Are we drawn down into the day-to-day? Are we more like an Eeyore? Are we more bitter? Are we more angry? Because, guys, we're feeling as though we are entitled to more than what we have been given. Naomi learned a hard lesson about being drawn away. Let's jump to Naomi for a moment. Naomi learned a hard lesson about being drawn away, getting her eyes off of Jesus. When famine struck her family and, and they doubted, perhaps doubted the provision of God during that famine when Elimelech determined to take control and walk into enemy territory. Naomi learned a hard lesson from that. Here we see our need to stay focused on God, to keep our eyes on him, to stay in his field and seek his provision. Ruth, she's captivated by how good Boaz is being to her. She knows who she is. She is a Moabite. And she's wondering, how can it be? How can it be that Boaz is extending such kindness to her? I remember when I fell in love with Jesus, I remember that same thought. How can it be? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I have done? But this paints such a beautiful image and beautiful picture that God's love extends to us no matter what our past is. So we see humility with Ruth, which is something we all need to strive for and ask God to help us with. And we also see hard work. Often, we look at work as part of the curse. 
But we, when we do this, we miss or we skip over the truth that in the Genesis account, we were given to work before the fall, which means it wasn't a curse. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. The fall of man happens in Genesis 3. Tending the land, watching over the land, that's work. Work is not a fruit of the curse. Fruitless work is part of the curse. Work is good, and it's part of God's plan. Moms and dads, we've, we've got to get this figured out for ourselves, and we've got to teach this to our children the same. We aren't doing them any favors by not engaging them around our home. There should be age-appropriate expectations for work that they can help with. When we take on a mindset that says, I'm, run, I'm ruining their childhood by asking them to help, we're failing to teach them a principle of God's kingdom. Work is worship. When we take on the proper mindset about work, people take notice. Whether they realize it's Jesus in the center of it or not, there is something that stands out and grabs their attention. I'm witnessing this with, with my oldest daughter. She just started her first job that isn't working for family. Before she stepped into this position, we talked a lot about what does it mean to have a job? And really, I wanted to dial her into the truth. This is worship. We want to do this right. And she's been taking this mindset with her to work, and it has been such a beautiful thing to watch as God is showing her things and leading her there. And she's been asked to take on more hours. She wasn't hired into a position she wanted, but man, God has given her an opportunity to be trained in that role. She's shining a light. She's shining a light in that space, and her manager has given beautiful compliments about what a good job she's doing for them. That's not my daughter alone standing out at her workplace. That's the light of Christ radiating through her and the attitude she's allowing God to help her to demonstrate as she's choosing to use this as an opportunity for worship. And it's leading her. It's godly notice that's happening and leading her to this position that she ultimately wants. Ruth gives us a healthy perspective on how to do it right. This gleaning wouldn't have been an easy task. I live in the Midwest. Midwest humidity is a killer. There's no shade when I look at the fields behind my home, which tells me this gleaning would have been sweat-inducing, tiring, physical labor. The fact that she was gleaning, that she was going behind those harvesters, and she was standing side by side with the other poor and the other foreigners of the land, would have had an element of humiliation with it as well. But guys, our work is an opportunity to give God glory. And she does it. She does it well. She draws us back to the truth that we need to look at our work no matter what it is as a privilege. We get to work. And the work that we have is God's provision to help us. It's his way of providing to our family. And without, without Ruth's willingness to roll up her sleeves... Ruth and Naomi would have gone hungry without our own willingness to roll up our sleeves and do whatever our hand finds to do. We too will go hungry. It was Ruth's willingness to do this hard work that got her noticed. She did the hard work without the complaining. How about us? How do we view work? Are we a Ruth or is there room for improvement? Are we complaining all day? Are we lamentful? Are we so bitter at the task that we've been asked to do? 
that our hard work is not getting noticed. Sometimes we can get stuck in a space where we don't know how to act as a Ruth in our job. There are places like that that are hard to work. And I am acknowledging that that is true. In these moments, in these spaces, we do have to remember that God is omniscient. He knows what's happening in our workplace. And we have to be willing to take it to him in prayer and seeking his direction and how to handle these circumstances. Perhaps there's something for us to learn in these difficult spaces of work. There is always a way to reflect the glory of God to those around us. And this is a thought that can be a game changer for us when we really stop to consider. Boaz saw Ruth's integrity and he saw her work ethic. And these two characteristics are what got her noticed. Let's keep in mind, work is a form of worship. But before we wrap up this episode, I don't want to leave this chapter without looking at Boaz. We're going to learn in chapter four about him being that kinsman redeemer. Boaz is Ruth's kinsman redeemer. As a message to the bride of Christ, we look to this truth and we understand Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Boaz is pointing us to to Jesus. So what do we see about him in this chapter? How can we see Jesus in him? Well, first we see Boaz was watching Ruth. Before Ruth came to him, before she met him, he knew all about her. The same is true with us and Jesus. He sees it all without any words. What kind of man is Boaz? Through these words, we've been able to see that he's compassionate. He's graceful. He's kind. He's described as a worthy man, a noble man. He's this upstanding man, a man of character. He interacts with others with beautiful compassion. When they were eating together, did you catch what happened? Ruth ate. She was satisfied and there was more left over. Boaz gave her abundance, more than enough. She wasn't lacking anything, which is a picture of what Jesus does for us, isn't it? Boaz, he went above and beyond for her. He wasn't just letting her glean the leftovers. No, his reapers were commanded to leave more for her, which is the same for us. Jesus doesn't just forgive us our sins and leave us as his servants. No, he adopts us. He adopts us into his kingdom as sons and daughters. We become joint heirs. All right, friends, now we're at the point of this episode where we are going to put what we have just read, what we have just listened to into action. What is our attitude toward work? Do we have some improvement? Do we look at work as a form of worship? How can we start to look at it as a form of worship? Are we thankful that we get to go to work every day? Are we thankful that our hands feel good, that our feet feel good, that our mouth can speak, that our mind is clear? What do we think about our work and how can we allow our mindset about work to line up with what we saw Ruth demonstrate? How are we when it comes to humility? Are we more of a stand up, demand our rights kind of girl? Or are we willing to acknowledge, yes, these are indeed my rights and I'm going to tweak my approach to follow a biblical concept versus the cultural norm that we're seeing laid out for us. These are some big things. Work is personal and humility. What we think and the way that we behave 
these can be some things that feel like sandpaper against our flesh, but they are really important things to take into, really consider privately. Allow yourself to be transparent before the Lord. Allow him to challenge your thinking, to show you ways where you can work better where we can demonstrate humility better. Because what we saw here is there is a reason why we want to get these things figured out. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. Thank you for taking time to listen. I hope over the next few days, you'll take some time and really think about what we just went over. Look for a way to apply it. It's when we activate the word that we really start to step into the life that Jesus desires for us to live, that authentic Christian living. If you found this episode helpful, share it. And please leave a review. When you do, you help elevate the She Chooses podcast in the search results of others, making it easier for them to find. And if you're like me and you like to digest information in varying forms, you can find the full episode transcript on the She Chooses website. Check out the show notes for a direct link. And hey, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe, making sure you never miss an episode.